Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harris here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. After what looked to be a slightly lower open this morning is in futures trading, our markets rallied to finish near the highs of the day-to-day, having a strong day. And folks, exactly like we're talking about here, these pauses for our markets looking to be short and sweet. And there's really one primary reason for that. There's some other reasons as well, of course, improving economic outlook after coronavirus insanity. But the level of global liquidity we talk about here every day, $20 trillion in global stimulus, fiscal and monetary policy going into the system. Now that that $1.9 trillion plan that the Biden administration has put forward is being voted on. I'm going to talk a little bit about that here in a second. But then there's the other two plans they're talking about as well for an additional $3 trillion for infrastructure, uh, an additional another $3 trillion for um, uh, the Green New Deal. So that's the potential right there in these three plans for another $7.9 trillion plus possibly in more stimulus into the system. It's almost unreal to think about, but that's where we are. But there are some questions about this next round of stimulus. The first one that I talked about, the $1.9 trillion plan. And it was good to see the market action today where the Dow hit a new all-time high, despite the fact that there's starting to be some concerns on whether or not this stimulus package will be passed right away. And that tells us when the market goes up on bad news like that, that tells us it's a market that wants to continue going higher. When the market goes up on potentially bad news, that's a very bullish sign. And so the concern is coming from the fact that this bill, the $1.9 trillion plan, really a lot of people are asking how much does this have to do with coronavirus when it's a coronavirus relief bill? you got $12 billion of the funds allocated to go to foreign countries like we couldn't use it here at home. Only 5% of the funds would be spent on schools this year. And then you have millions and millions more going to things like endowments for the arts, humanities institutes, and the Institute of Museum and Library Sciences. That does not sound like anything to do with coronavirus relief. Now, they shove all that into you know a 5,000-page bill that nobody can read before they have time to vote on it. That's how they sneak all of these things in. But now they're starting to get some pushback here. And it's even concerning Democrats. It's not just Republicans pushing back here. And there are two Democrats now that are getting a lot of attention about this that are talking about voting against the bill, which would essentially leave the bill dead in the water. They're already doing this budget. They're going to they're gonna pass it through budget reconciliation, which avoids the needs for uh, a, a major majority to vote this through. They would need at least 10 Republicans to do it without this. But if they can just get a simple majority, when the Senate right now is split 50-50 with Kamala Harris, the VP, casting the tying vote here. So they would need 100% Democrat support in order to get this through. Well, two Democrats, Joe Manchin from West Virginia and Arizona's Kristen Sinema, uh, have both said that they have some issues with the bill, starting with wanting to avoid 
raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Essentially, what they're saying is this raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour should be its own thing. It shouldn't be tossed in the, into the, the mix with coronavirus relief. And the reasoning for that, when you actually listen to the reasoning for it, is very valid. Maybe in a state like New York or California, where you have a high cost of living, then yes, $15 an hour minimum wage makes sense. But when you're in a low cost of living state like West Virginia or Arizona, a raise in the minimum wage could do more harm than good. And there's been a lot of studies done on this, even from institutes that Democrats agree with that, okay, it's going to lift a a lot of people out from below the poverty line, uh, giving them a living wage. And of course we support that, but it could also hurt small businesses the worst at a time when small businesses are already struggling. So yes, you might lift people out of that poverty line, living wage area, but you're also sacrificing even more people's jobs to where they won't have any wage. And then they go on government unemployment, which of course is what the end goal probably is here from the planners of the world that you know, hey, we'd rather people be on unemployment than getting their wage from somebody who's not associated with the government. <laughs> um, but there's a few other problems in this bill that are being uh, talked about as well. And that is on page 258 of this bill, there is a plan for $350 billion to go to these bankrupt states, looking at New York and California. Now, this issue is nothing new. It was talked about in the first few rounds of stimulus, uh, but that was while Trump was in office. So there was no way that, and also the Republicans had the majority in the Senate. So there was no way that that was going to get passed through. Dems wanted money for California and New York, who had absolutely destroyed their own economies, even ahead of, before coronavirus started. But th those are two of the strictest states on lockdowns. So why are we using states that have been, why are we punishing states that have been well run and having to bail out these poorly run states? Well, their reasoning here or the, the way that the funds will be allocated is based on your unemployment rate, which again comes back to New York and California, which have two of the highest unemployment rates well above the national average, New York currently at 8.2% and California at 9% unemployment right now. And we know the reasons why. It's from these lockdowns, these endless lockdowns that have shut down restaurants, movie theaters, and big ones for California and New York. And then also Hawaii, which I believe might even have the highest, I think it's 9.2% actually in Hawaii. And that comes from tourism. Nobody is traveling to these states right now, and tourism is a big part of their business. Now, also in New York and California, you have some of the highest tax rates in the country. So big businesses that are headquarters in, headquartered in those states and wealthy individuals are literally fleeing these states right now to go to lower tax states and avoid these lockdown measures. Check this out. Just uh, another fun fact for you here. In AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Bronx's district, where she proudly turned away something that could have been an additional 20,000 jobs 
in her district or in the area from Amazon proudly turned that away. She currently has an unemployment rate of 15.1%. That's well over double the national average. So why are we punishing states that are run better and forcing them to bail out these poorly run states? These Those few reasons, it's not all of them, but those few reasons there are why these two senators, and, and likely more might even jump on board with this, they cannot vote for this. And that's because Cinema uh, and Manchin come from fairly conservative states, conservative to moderate states like Arizona and West Virginia. If they voted for this bill, they would not be reelected. They, they were only elected because they were seen as rather conservative Democrats. So... The fact that, again, going back to the market here, that the market wasn't down on any of this news starting to come out, we're going to see more of it, I think, um, just continues to show the strength of this market. So we'll see what happens with this bill. We'll be reporting on it here as well. Because it does, the stimulus like this does affect the market. But on a day like today, it didn't seem to too much. When you have the Russell 2000 up 2.38% today on a nice day to 2,284 then you had the Dow Jones crossing above 32,000 for the first time ever today. That's a big number there. And we've talked about that here before as well. When, once you cross those, the, the big round numbers, those are important psychological milestones for the market. We did close below it today, uh, but the Dow has been on a tear lately. It could very well get and stay above 32,000 here, up a nice 424 points today, up 1.35% to 31,961. We were followed there by the S&P 500, up 1.14% today to 3,925. And lastly here, the NASDAQ, which was our laggard going into the morning as well, still having a nice day, up almost 1%, 0.99% to 13,597. And right off the bat this morning, looking at our internals now, we noted to our clients in the first 30 minutes of trading, the internals on the NASDAQ were strongly positive. We saw that and took it as a sign that this is a market that wants to head higher and that the lows for this correction might even be in. And that's exactly what we saw later in the day. It was a strong turning point the Nasdaq started heading higher from there and then ended up closing near its highs of the day today. We had advances beating out declines over two to one positive on the NYSE and even better on the or yeah, even better on the Nasdaq today. So strong numbers when we had a couple days in a row of negative internals from especially the Nasdaq. Then looking at new 52-week highs to lows coming in strong. 771 stocks hitting new 52-week highs to just 34 hitting new 52-week lows. That is some serious outperformance there. And then lastly, volume. Strong across the board. Over 3 to 1 positive on the NYSE. Over 3 to 1 positive on the NASDAQ today as well. So strong numbers from the internals. That's what we want to see from this market. And when you saw negative internals like we've seen this week, it's easy to see that and start getting a little bit concerned. But as we talk about here with our clients a lot, until we start to see numbers that are the big numbers on negative days, like 
an eight to one negative volume, seven to one, eight to one negative volume on NYSE and the NASDAQ, we really won't start to be concerned here until we start to see those levels. Looking at our sectors on the day today, we got some strong numbers here as well. Nine out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors finishing higher on the day. And we saw sectors hitting all-time highs here, or at least post-lockdown highs as well, which is exactly what you want to see. A lot of people talking about this now. New highs beget new highs. So when you continue to see sectors and indexes hitting new all-time highs, there's nothing but bullish for our markets. And energy led the way again today. Oil having a nice day, but energy hitting a new as a sector, a new post-lockdown high that we were followed there by the financials, which hit a new all-time high today, and then followed by the industrials also hitting a new all-time high today. After that, we had tech, which was up nicely, and it was good to see the semis having a strong day today. Almost two-to-one outperformance here from tech to the semis. Semis up 3.22% on the day. After there, a little bit of a correction, now getting back into the range of all-time high territory, just eight points away from a new all-time high there in the semis. So strong day today uh, from the tech sector as well as exactly what you want to see. And then followed by materials, consumer discretionary for our leaders on the day today. Our two laggards were utilities, likely has a lot to do with the rising rates that we're seeing right now. They're the biggest borrowers in the country, so rising rates do hurt their business. And then consumer staples. Finally for today, our VRA commodity watch. Gold now down slightly on the day, just a little over two-tenths of 1% to uh, 1,802 an ounce. Silver having a nice day today, though, up almost 1%, 0 0.96% to $27.95 an ounce. Copper, though, uh, the biggest outperformer here. Uh, and this is a great group to be in, especially considering that stimulus package I talked about earlier for the Green New Deal. Copper is going to play a big part in renewables going forward. It's utilized uh, throughout every area of that supply chain. So, not incredibly surprising. We've been bullish on this group for a long time now. Up a big 3% on the day today, hitting its highest levels since 2011 at $4.31 a pound. And then oil, like I mentioned earlier, having a nice day today as well, up 2.85% to $63.42 a barrel. And lastly for today, Bitcoin, now up 1.95% to $48,722 a Bitcoin. Folks, that is all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close. Also, a little side note, I'll be on Wayne Allen Root's show tonight at 7.30 Eastern Time. You can tune in at USA Radio or 790 Talk Now. Both of those you can stream online. Uh, so, We'd love to have you join us there as well. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.